Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, it seems we live in a changing world, doesn't it? Uh, th this week, the, the thought just you know, happened to uh, occur to me. There, there was a time a, a hundred years ago in our nation's history when the, the people of our land gathered together and they voted for prohibition. Now, you know, certainly the, the scripture, you know, says, for, for example, Paul, you know, giving the advice to Timothy that he should perhaps have a, a glass of wine a day, um, you know, to, to be able to, to settle his stomach. You know, certainly the, the Bible tells us that, you know, we, we can use alcohol responsibly. But isn't it interesting that there was a time in our nation's history when people gathered together and they said, you know what, so many people are abusing alcohol that we ought to, to pass some laws against that. And in fact, you know, it wasn't just one or, or two people high up in government that suddenly made the decision and then everyone had to live with it, but rather it was a grassroots movement. Or people coming together in, in tiny uh, communities and contacting their congressmen and their senators came to the conclusion that you know, alcohol abuse was rampant and we needed to do something about that. And dear friends, really, isn't that what a, a Christian land would do? would decide. Well, you fast forward a, a hundred years in, into the future and, you know, we look around and things are just completely the opposite almost, aren't they? It was also interesting to me, you know, reading a, about the, the founding fathers, that there were many of our founders that, that said, if you are a true American, you will not tolerate foul language. And, you know, again, just kind of interesting that, you know, in, in that day and age when our country was founded, they were saying one of the signs of a true American is that you would correct the foul language of, of someone else that, that was cursing and swearing. And yet, uh, again, you and I live in an age when maybe, you know, we, we go out to the restaurant and the, the person at the table right next to us is, is perhaps cursing and swearing, right? And, well, it, in fact, um, you know, and, and embarrassingly, you know, Michelle Obama not so long ago swore on national television and other people praised her for using foul language on national television. We hear uh, public speakers of our days saying, you, you know what, maybe in certain situations it's all right for a public speaker to throw in a, a swear word here or there for emphasis. 
So you, you understand how emphatic the statement is. Uh, again, you know, just looking at, at you know, the, the uh, trend, right? Here's a, the founding father saying, hey, you know, if you're a good American citizen, you're going to correct your neighbor when they swear. And now in our present day, somehow that's emphatic and it, it lends to your presentation. What a difference, isn't there? In fact, I started with that idea of a prohibition because that, that really is kind of when our nation began to change. As people began you know, to push back against prohibition, they began to push back against that idea you know, that Christians did it better. They began to push back against that idea that our founding fathers were morally superior to some of, of the people they were beginning to see in, in that current day and age. And what's kind of interesting is that the, the attack, as far as I know, began upon George Washington. And so there was a fellow in 1927, you know, he came out with a, a, a new biography about George Washington telling us how terrible George actually was and how he had just kind of elevated him in our mind's eye to this special position. And he didn't have any references in his book there, there was no one you could look up and go and contact about any of the statements that he made in his book. Now, as far as anyone could tell, the attacks he had against George Washington were simply fiction that he created within his own mind. And the fact of the matter is, within six months, another publisher came out with a, a book correcting, you know, the, the book that had been published, where that particular researcher, he went from place to place, and he said, yeah, you know what, George Washington wasn't even in that state, you know, when you claim that that event took place. And, you know, here I can gather together some evidence of, of, you know, people that knew George Washington pretty well, and they all testify in the same way. And, you know, here's a, a history book written from, you know, that time. And it, it, it says completely the opposite of, of what you had to say. But dear, dear friends, I, I, I hate to tell you, you know, today you can still go to Amazon.com and, and you can order, you know, that heretical history book. It, it's easy to find it. It's still in print. You can easily get a copy of that one that says George Washington was, you know, just kind of a bad guy. But you know what, to, to find the corrective book, to find the, the book that was well documented, to find the, the book done by an actual historian that, you know, went and, and did research, that's really hard. It's really hard to find that book today. Now you say, oh, why would that be? 
Why would it be that someone can just kind of create something out of their own mind and sell it as history, and that becomes popular, and it's still available a hundred years later, as someone that actually does the real work and does the real research and wants to be able to tell the truth, you can't find their work hardly anymore. Why is that? And, uh, dear friends, it seems that that is what we contend with every day, isn't it? It's the very same way within our Christian faith. Now, Jesus Christ himself came and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And yet in our day and age, we have many voices out there that that are saying, oh, there's lots of ways to come to Jesus. There's lots of ways to get to God. You you maybe don't even need need Jesus. Maybe I I can speculate and I can say, I, I bet that, you know, maybe there's people out there that don't recognize who Jesus is, but because of the goodness of their heart, they manage to get to God anyway. Well, uh, dear friends, as bad as it is when people begin to play with history and they begin to make false accusations about historical characters, and, and, you know, you wonder about... You know, how that can come to be. How much worse is it for our eternal soul when we have voices out there telling us lies about how to attain heaven? And yet we hear those lies all the time, don't we? Jesus is maybe just one of many ways that we could get there. Have you heard that? Right? You know, you you turn on maybe your favorite TV show or or, or you go to the movie theater to to see the newest movie and that's what we're hearing today, isn't it? That everyone is going and, you know, that Christian way of life, it doesn't really make a difference. And people can just kind of be good apart from Jesus. And, you know, if they just kind of make the decision, they just kind of go through the motions, you know, then they can just kind of be like the, the average person, you know? And being like the average person, that, that's, you know, really okay, because, you know, we, we, we all... You know, just need to get a law, right? And sure, you know, with the, the, the past year within our nation, we'd like to hear that message about getting along, don't we? It has some appeal. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just kind of get along? But dear friends, to take that position means we lose sight of the truth once again, don't we? 
Because the purpose of this life is not to just get along. The purpose of this life is to make it to heaven. And the purpose of this life is not to just have peace within our family. The purpose really is that our, our sons and our daughters would make it too. Right? You see, that needs to be our perspective. Not just that we enjoy peace, but that we make it to heaven and we take along as many of our friends and neighbors as possible. Okay, and, and so how are we going to do that? We need to be able to come out in the public square once again and say, hey, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one is going to make it without him. Right? You need Jesus. You need him. But again, in our present day, we have so many people saying, oh, I, you know, I think maybe I can make it on my own. Oh, yeah, I, I can, you know, turn over a new leaf. You know, I, I can apply my mental powers to change my life. I don't think I need him. That's what the world is saying, isn't it? I don't think I really need Jesus. I, I, I can do some other stuff. And of course, you know, we, we've heard from the, the media, you know, that, that Christian religion is just kind of a crutch. You know, for, for us that are, that are in the know, we, we don't need the crutch of, of Jesus. But you, you folks there that, you know, attend church on Sunday morning still, you know, maybe you need that crutch, but, you know, others of us are enlightened. Right, the lost, claiming that, that they're enlightened, but that's what they say, right? We, we have you know, some special knowledge and, and we can get by without that stuff. But dear friends, again, that stuff is eternal salvation, isn't it? Uh, that stuff is you know, the, the fact that we all have sinned and instead of smiling and laughing about it and saying, oh yeah, what'd you do last night? Oh, I did some stuff too. I don't really think it's sin though. It just was harmless fun, see. But no, the Bible you know, stresses that we all have sinned. We all have fallen short. We're not going to make it. We can't do it on our own. Right, in order to jump over that chasm that has come to pass between God and man, we would have to be like superheroes. And none of us has the strength. You know, and maybe some of us are a little bit stronger than others. 
My, my, my son Robert um, won a, a weightlifting meet yesterday way over in Moorhead. You know, uh, uh, took him over there and, and, and he lifted more weights than other kids in, in his weight class. He came home, you know, with the, the first place medal. Stronger than, than some of the other people there in that building. But guess what? You can't make it on your own. Right, you know, God has set the, the standard according to his holy word. And that means that if just once you messed up, you can't do it. If just one time you committed a sin, you're too weak. You can't make it. And when we come to understand what the standard is, I think each one of us, again, would fall down before God and we would say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Because we fail. We can't do it. And then the answer becomes, as the conviction hits us, as we understand, it doesn't matter how many new leaves we turn over, how hard we work to become better people, that we actually need some help. We begin to look. And where does the help come from? The help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now Jesus says, I will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you does not slumber. It's Jesus. Know that you and I, we needed someone who would look with pity upon our condition, who would take the gracious action that was necessary that would even offer his own life, that we could be forgiven, that we could make our way home to heaven once again. And dear friends, that is how much Jesus loves each and every one of us. We, we do so love the, the verse, don't we? You know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a beautiful verse from the scripture. But I have to tell you once more again today, that doesn't just mean that God so loved the planet Earth. That he sent Jesus because, you know, the planet Earth was in trouble and the planet Earth needed some salvation. But rather, God so loved you. He so loved you that he sent Jesus to die upon the cross that your sin might be washed clean. 
that you might be forgiven. That you might be able to come home and be with Him. Have you ever been in that place in your life when you just wanted to be new again? You know, when you, you felt like you had kind of run down or, you know, you just were kind of crippled by sin, where it was hard to, to sleep at night because ghosts came back to haunt you within your mind or there were some decisions perhaps that, that you made that you, you felt didn't come out quite right and you just said, you know, if I could have did it over again. Martin Luther talked about times like that as the, the black night of your soul. Where you're just kind of laying in bed and you're saying, oh, if I, if I would have did this or if I could have did that different or yeah, if I would have made different choices or yeah, if I just would have, would have stayed close with God through that time. And we want to go back, don't we? You want to be like that little child again that you know was sitting in the Sunday school and you heard, you know, really for that, that first time how much Jesus loved you. And you felt that, that touch of inspiration as you sung the, the wonderful hymns within the assembly. You want to be like that, that little fifth grader that, you know, that toddled up to you that, that one day, perhaps you remember and said, oh, you know, Grandpa, I love you. Grandma, I love you so much. And I love your farm. I love the cows. I love the sheep. And I love being here. Right? There's that kind of awe and, and, and that kind of wonder. We want to get back there, don't we? And dear friends, it's open to us. If we will but return to the Lord our God, He will wash us once again. He will make us new inside once again. He himself will hold us in his hands. He'll breathe upon us once again that wonderful Holy Spirit, giving us a new life and a new purpose. But dear friends, in closing, we can't have those wonderful gifts if we never think that we've done anything wrong, you see. And we can't have that wonderful forgiveness of Jesus the Christ if we think that we're okay. And we can just kind of apply ourselves and apply our will and, you know, make it to heaven. And we can't understand that we really need a Savior if we think we're just fine. You see, to have the wonderful forgiveness and experience the gracious love of Jesus Christ, 
We need to come broken, don't we? And we need to come wanting. We, we need to come needy. We need to come to the foot of the cross once again and say, Lord, be merciful to me. I messed up. In fact, I messed up so bad I sinned. Right? We call it what it is. Lord, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Lord, lift me up again. Lord, wash me clean. Lord, make me whole again today. And dear friends, in just a few minutes, we'll have that opportunity once more to receive the body and blood of our Lord. Recommit your life to Him. Take him at his word. He is the only way to heaven. And he loves you so much. He died on the cross so you can be there with him. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds, now and always. Amen. <clears throat>